seconds left. Boston only has a one-point lead. Greer is putting the ball on a play. He gets it out deep and Havlicek steals it. from the parking lot, and Vermont has a 59-55 lead. Swung line drive left field, one run is in, here comes Green, here's the throw to the plate, he is safe, Braves win, Braves win, Braves win, Braves win. Five seconds left in the game, do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! It's showtime. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and sports enthusiasts from around the world. This is the podcast you have all been waiting for. Whether listening in the car, on your morning drive, or with one earbud in at the office, this is the sports show that has it all. From pro wrestling to the octagon, from the gridiron to the baseball diamond, from the pitch to the ice, it's all here. You have tuned in to Mount Sterling's most downloaded podcast that drops on Saturdays at 3 a.m. This is not your average podcast. This is From Corner to Corner. And now, here are your hosts. Sean Big Papa Kuyper, Wes Redman Crouch, Adam Big Country Muncie, and Neil Mulletman Payne. And we are live for another episode of From Corner to Corner. Whoa, baby. We got Sean, Neil, Adam, and... Daron on screen tonight, and we are joined by the young professor, who is the on-field MC for the Savannah Bananas. And he actually has another official job title. What 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 is that new job title for you? So I am now the cast director for the Savannah Bananas as well for all of our entertainment characters. Man, what a what a year and a half, right? So the last right, time that we got to talk to you. <laughs> You were our very first on-air interview when we were still doing the wrestling stuff. You hadn't even sniffed the Savannah Bananas at this point. You were with the minor league team with the Reds in Florida. You did some wrestling stuff. You were you were teaching. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the Savannah Bananas come calling. Well, it, it kind of worked that way. Um Gosh, what do you remember? What month we did talk? I, I might have gotten at least the, a, a sniff with the bananas. I believe it was January or February in twenty twenty two. Oh wow! Uh, well then, yeah, I would have. Uh, I probably was waiting on the big announcement, but I, I had done one little itty bitty stint with the bananas that summer beforehand, uh, which you know turned out to be a life changing cameo appearance over there. So let's. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, the craziness that has ensued since you have started working with the bananas. I mean, it, I mean, one would say that it's gone bananas. I mean, it, it's the one could say a lot of things about what's going on. And the truth <laughs> of the matter is, 
I mean, we're really only getting started here. As crazy as that sounds based on where we're going and, and how things are shaping up, we've got very, very big plans far beyond even what is in the immediate future for us. Uh, but to go, I guess, back in time a little bit, a little over two years ago, actually probably about three years ago, close to then, is when I first found out about the bananas. Now, I'd already been a ring announcer and I'd already been hosting events for, for some time at that point. And I was getting ready for my first season working with the Daytona Tortugas. I live in Central Florida. Daytona Beach is only 30 minutes away. So that's kind of home base for me. That's where I started my wrestling announcing career and, and, and my entertainment career for that matter. Um, and I was getting ready for that. And I know some of you guys are familiar with the shirt brand Roosevelt. A uh, couple of us in here are wearing them right now. Yeah. But um, a few years ago, I happened to see some of the guys went out to a Savannah Bananas game. And I guess at that time it was a banana ball game. Probably the first one because they ran the first ones in front of crowds in early 2020. And that's when I first saw the player playing on stilts. And it immediately blew my mind and captured my attention because I was like, that is not something that I've ever seen before. <laughs> and I need to know more. And I, so I kind of, fell down the rabbit hole and started learning as much as I could about that team and organization. And lo and behold, they were doing some really interesting things. And I really felt um, drawn to it because at that time I was really diversifying my own entertainment career and, and trying to really maximize it and maybe make something out of it. Because a lot of people do what I've been doing part-time and, and to varying degrees of success and, and you know, I was trying to string enough together that maybe, just maybe, this could turn into a real career option for me. And so I took an interest immediately. I found our owner, Jesse Coles, first, uh, his first book at the time, read that and was like, yeah, I, I only live three hours from Savannah. I have to learn more. I have to find out as much as I can. And if I can ever go meet this man and learn more directly, that is what I want to do. And so that's what I set out to do. I, I reached out to him on LinkedIn because... You know, two and a half years ago, he was a lot more accessible than he probably is right now. <laughs> and uh, we connected on there. And I, I kind of just told him that I was a fan. I read his book and, and I loved what he was doing. And if I could ever come out, I would love to, to meet him. And he says, well, if you do come out, I'd love to show you around and give you a tour and talk to you about how we do what we do. And I did wind up getting tickets to a game that summer because back then, even though all the games would sell out then, too, they were a little easier to get than they are now. Now they're damn near impossible to get. But uh, we the one game I could have even made it to, like the stars really aligned for this. My family and I went out and I said to him, kind of off, you know, just uh, as an off remark, I was like, hey, and by the way, you know, I'm, I'm an MC and I'm a ring announcer for wrestling. And so in case you need anything, I'm just going to pack my suit. And he goes, actually... That night that you're coming is the only night where our PA announcer has, is going to miss. He's never missed a game ever before, but he's going to miss that night. And so I actually might need some help that night if you're interested. And hell yeah, I was interested. <laughs> I got the goosies. <laughs> so, so, I mean, and then Banana Ball has taken the world by storm. You can't get on any social media site, YouTube, anything, without seeing something that, that is related to the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, I mean, and I, I kind of, even from afar, before I even got to that first game, I just knew there was something special there. You know, I, I, as someone that was working in entertainment, I was like, there's something 
happening here that's really interesting. And um, I did that one game, and they I worked a little bit at the beginning, and they just got to go enjoy it. And it was seriously the most fun thing I'd ever been. And it wasn't even a banana ball game. It was a baseball game. And they were just doing all of their shenanigans around it because that's when they still had a regular baseball team too. And um, as they were getting ready for the tour the next year, the Banana Ball World Tour, the, the eighth city tour that we did in 2022 that was documented in Banana Land, which is on ESPN Plus and on Hulu, I had reached out and I put this video together and all this other crazy stuff. Probably right before I interviewed with you guys, I was talking with the Bananas actively about just wanting to come on. And, and they already had a host. They already had stuff going on. I was like, look, I don't want to steal anybody's job. I just want to come and learn, right? I want to learn as much as I can. And we went back and forth. I was like, I'll sell popcorn. They were like, we're not going to have you sell popcorn. We've seen you work. We, we don't want that. But let's, let's see what we can come up with. And so they invited me to be on the 2022 World Tour. And pretty much from that, from the time we started that first weekend, that's when we, after that first weekend of that tour, that's when the Bananas crossed over a million followers on TikTok. And really that was just the beginning of this journey. Because you're right, now we have, millions and millions and millions of followers across all these different platforms. Uh, we played in front of over 600,000 fans or over 500,000 fans this past year. We're going to play in front of over a million fans next year. We're playing in six major league ballparks. And you're right. This thing is very, very soon going to be a complete household name everywhere. So for those that live under a rock, why don't you explain what the difference between baseball and banana ball is? Banana ball is baseball with all the boring parts removed and slightly more fun parts added into it. So baseball is still the core of what we do. I mean, the guys that play for us are professional athletes. They grew up playing the game of baseball, and that's what makes this thing go. But it is a full-throttle, nonstop, 360-degree entertainment experience all surrounding a baseball game kind of in the center of it. Uh, we get compared a lot to the Harlem Globetrotters uh, just because they are known as like the entertainment team for basketball. We've got a few differences. I mean, namely, the Bananas do not always win our, their games, unlike uh, how the Harlem Globetrotters do things. But that's probably the biggest comparison that we get. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm, I know, you know, the story of – of the Savannah bananas has been all over everything. Right. And it's phenomenal story. I know um, they bought the team and, you know, if I remember correctly, it used to be the Savannah sand Nats. They got moved to Columbia as the fireflies and they did away with the Savannah team in, in, in double a or in single a. And then Savannah gets their team, the bananas and tried doing regular baseball right and then the crowds wasn't happening and then the owner kind of come up with a, this concept right it's, you you got a few key details correct and a few uh, i'll correct you on sure um the the sand nets were the team that was there before it was a separate entity it's not like we took that over right we, we took over that stadium and a professional baseball team there um so that's that's number one. and they left savannah because they were like this is an old stadium It'll never work here. No one has ever drawn any any crowds here. It's terrible. You need to build us a new stadium. The city of Savannah said no. And so they, you know, took their ball and went home to be somebody else. Which, you know, that's fine. Um, our owner came in and and bought the rights to have a team there and put them in the Coastal Plain League. Now, the Coastal Plain League, we were in that league until last summer 
not this past summer, but 2022 summer. And um, it's a collegiate wood bat summer league. So college baseball players, that's where they would go after their regular season for their college teams would end. And there's a number of these collegiate summer league teams that play throughout the country. And that's what the Bananas were. They were a collegiate summer league baseball team uh, playing regular baseball. And it did work because originally this concept of banana ball didn't exist. But our owner, Jesse Cole, he owned another team beforehand, uh, the Gastonia Grizzlies. And for years there, he took that from being probably one of the worst teams just in terms of revenue and attendance, one of the worst teams in all of existence in baseball in the United States. And he, once he got the reins, when he was like the 23-year-old GM, he slowly started making that much more successful and started adding dancing players and all kinds of crazy promotions and wild things. And so he was experimenting with another team years before he bought the banana. In fact, he was wearing the yellow tux years before he actually was with the banana, which a lot of people don't realize. And he knew that if he could generate enough buzz and enough attention with a baseball team, that he could do something special with it. And so that's what the Savannah Bananas became. And initially, it was all of this craziness around the game of baseball. And it did work because the game I went to was a regular baseball game. The place was packed out. You know, our stadium uh, seats 4,000 people. We're adding another 1,000 seats coming into this next season, but it seats 4,000. And that place was sold out every single night from the time they started because they were able to generate so much buzz and add so much fun, but it was around baseball. It was still nine innings. You know, sometimes the pace was really not what the Bananas would have liked it to be. And so that's what he saw. He saw that there was an opportunity to, how can we get this to stop? Because people are leaving in that seventh inning. They're leaving. They're not staying to the end. And they always ask, like, if you were watching a movie, do you leave with, like, 30 minutes left in the movie? Right. No. Nope. No, no one does that. So why would people do that in a baseball game? So they, they started realizing, like, there's things about the game of baseball that are – that could be improved on, right, in terms of entertainment experience. And so they set out to try and find ways to do that. And so they started kicking around some new ideas and some new rules that eventually became some of the foundational rules of banana ball, like the two-hour time limit. Uh, each inning counts, right? You're not going to get blowout games more than likely because each inning, whoever wins the inning gets a point. So it's not runs, it's points. Runs count in the inning, but they only count towards points for that inning. And so – they took a lot of these things they learned as a collegiate summer league team and put them into this thing that we call banana ball. And we started experimenting with it, playing it in front of crowds. They took it on the road in 2021 to Mobile, Alabama during the One City World Tour. And then when we took it to the eight cities that we did in 2022, the world fully embraced this thing because it was just revolutionary. And they realized, you know what, we have enough here that we don't have to be a regular baseball team. And so we went all in on banana ball, and this year was the first year where that is all that we did, and that is all we are going to do moving forward. So the owner, did did he – I mean, in his wildest imaginations, did he think the Savannah Bananas would become what it is? Or, like, what, what was his initial vision for it? His initial vision was make baseball fun. Yeah. That's it, and that's all. Uh, because he was a baseball player himself. I mean, he had aspirations of being a pro – ball player of, of becoming a Boston Red Sox perhaps you know he grew up in in uh, situate Massachusetts just outside of Boston he got to be a bat boy once when he was a kid and that's always what he wanted to do and he, he was really good and he was a good pitcher and then he had a shoulder injury and his career was over 
And so he went into management and even though he always loved baseball, he was sitting there one day and he goes, Oh my God, this is boring. Right. And, he, and if he's bored, a guy who absolutely loves it, what a fans think. And so he just kind of reoriented his entire thinking towards the game and, and realized and, and just came up with this idea that he says a lot. He says, we're not in the baseball business. We're in the entertainment business. Right. Once he flipped that switch, that's when he kind of started turning things around for Gastonia. And then for the Bananas, it was just, let's create a really fun baseball team in Savannah. And, you know, I don't think, in fact, he'll tell you early on, well, none of this was something that he's had in his mind. But for the last couple of years, yeah, his vision keeps getting bigger and bigger because he understands it, and we all are understanding that the sky is the limit when you are willing to put in the work and, and you're willing to push the boundaries on things. Well, and, and social media helps with that, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you're all over social media. There's several players that are on TikTok that I follow because, I mean, it's it's fun. And we just had some of the – we just had the, the girls' basketball team on, the local basketball team right before we had you on, and we told them that we were going to be interviewing you, and they, they said that they had as many emails as possible into that lottery for the Louisville visit, as as do I, um, for for this coming season, that it it's exciting, right? And and I think it, it it's cool. Everybody wants to see it, and um, I mean I, I'm excited for you. I'm I'm glad that you have the opportunity to do it. I'm glad that we know you. I mean that's pretty cool. Um, for a lot of people that might not know this. You're the voice of our Saturday show on our intros, you know, and it come from your intro that you do for the bananas because we, I was watching it one night and I'm like, this is great. This would be a phenomenal intro for our show. So that's what I, re- I reached out to you. You wrote it. You did it all. And um, it's a it's a major part of our show. I love it. Every time, every time I listen to it, I still get goosebumps. And it's our own show. Well, it's a privilege to be a part of it, guys. And and thanks for thinking enough of it to uh, to want to have it as the intro to your show. Um, the coolest thing this year was the the, the one game that we had on ESPN two uh, back over the summer when ESPN two was ESPN eight the Ocho. They opened with me doing that intro live, and they they didn't tell me till the day of. They were like, "Oh, by the way, you're opening the broadcast." <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, it was uh, like no pressure, man. Don't suck tonight, that's for sure. <laughs> so you also got to accomplish a, I mean, a bucket list. You you got to do driver introductions at the Daytona 500, right? Yeah, since we last talked, that that happened too, uh, two summers ago, 2022. That uh, they actually they heard me out at a uh, Daytona Tortugas game. And then they looked into me and they saw that I did that as well as working for the bananas. And they reached out and they were like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, I would. Uh, because I, you know, it's what was so crazy about that is I, I said, uh, you know, I lived close to Daytona beach and I started my entertainment career. I mean, eight years ago is when I started as a trivia host. And I started in Port orange, which is right next to Daytona. And, um, I started there. My wrestling career started in South Daytona. And, you know, I would play shows and, and do shows in front of five or ten people. And 
you know, some years later, I got a chance to work at one of the most revered sporting venues in all of sports. You know, the, the birthplace of racing there in Daytona Beach in, uh, in the Daytona International Speedway. And so to stand on that stage and work with the NASCAR Cup Series drivers, what an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, it was, um, it was surreal, that's for sure. I mean, are there times that you just like, am I in a dream right now? Like, is this really my life? <laughs> It's all the time. Um, I'm not. I, I enjoy it, and, and I, I I act like I'm used to it, but I, I'm not. Uh, I'm a regular dude, you know. I, I grew up, you know, pretty poor. I grew up in New Jersey. My my dad was a car salesman. My mom stayed at home and she was a secretary. I, there's nobody famous or overwhelmingly successful in my family. None of my friends have gone on to do any of that kind of stuff. Just and I've spent a lot of my life being a, a regular Joe, you know, just teaching school and, and doing what you do. And, and now I'm getting these opportunities to do amazing things with amazing people and, and things that almost nobody gets to do. And I'm really good at acting like, you know, act like you've been there, but yeah, all the time I'm like, this is unreal. Just an unreal experience. So you, you, you talked about the upcoming world tour. Uh, it'll be the third year of it. I think you said, uh, and you're playing in six major league ballparks. What are what are some of the cities that uh, that that you are going to hit this year? In general, or our major league? Uh, you can you can start with the major league cities, and then and then you can talk about how, highlight some of the other ones. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, we we kick things off in Tampa, Florida, at the spring training home of the New York Yankees, uh, playing where the the Tampa Tarpons play. Played there last year, which was amazing. Um, we go out to Arizona again, February. There's only so many places warm enough for us to go play banana ball. Uh, back home to Savannah, then Jacksonville, Florida, and then we head to Houston, Texas, home of the Houston Astros. We are playing at Minute Maid Park. That is where we are doing our first major league game. From there, we go to LSU. Uh, we're in Baton Rouge. We, gosh, we go to Gwinnett County, which is right outside of Atlanta. Uh, but some of the major league stadiums, I guess those are the one big ones that people want to hear about. We're heading to Fenway Park in June. That's that's it's, cool. Unbelievable. Uh, we're also, later in the summer, we're going to head out to Cleveland, Ohio, Progressive Field, where the Cleveland Guardians play. We are hitting, uh, that's three, right? Yep. Yep. And then we're going to Washington, D.C., we are doing Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the home of the Phillies, which I've spent many a night because I went to college about 20 minutes away from there. And then we end our tour next year in October in Miami, home of the Miami Marlins. And then we go and do a cruise that we host and run all the entertainment on the cruise at Banana Land at Sea. <laughs> so, I mean, you literally, I mean, it is a world tour. Like, I mean, it is not, it's not going to be too long till you all Take it overseas. I mean, there's definitely interest. Uh, you know, we've we've had we've had interest from parties in Australia. We've had interest from parties in Japan, uh, Canada, and Mexico. Obviously, that uh, they're not on the agenda this coming year. But we, we've got very big plans for things in the future. I mean, but the demand right now, even just domestically, is outrageous. I mean, you guys mentioned being in the ticket lottery. For anybody that's listening to this, it's like, oh, I need to look this up and get on. You're already too late. Because our ticket lottery was open from October until December 1st. And in that time, 2,020,000 plus signed up 
for a chance to have their name drawn in that lottery system. And we're only, I say only, but we're only playing in front of a little over a million people this year. And each person drawn can, can buy up to four tickets. So you know, only a very small fraction of the people even in that lottery are going to get a chance. So this thing is, is like Taylor Swift tickets at this point. It is very, very hard to, uh, to get a chance to come see us do what we do. So, I mean, later in the summer, you all get to come up to our neck of the woods, just a little bit up the road, and uh, you're playing at the Louisville Bat Stadium. So what, what I'm is- excited because as a former uh, Daytona Tortugas guy, that was within our uh, progression in the minor league system. So I haven't gotten a chance to check out. Uh, it's Louisville a Bat really Stadium. nice ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we get a chance to go see the, uh, the Slugger Museum. I know that's right out there too. So we usually do some pretty decent excursions on the road from time to time. So I'm excited because that's a, it's a state I haven't performed in, and I've only really driven through Kentucky and even that, it's been a long time since I've been up that way. So, you know, are you still living in Daytona, or have you moved closer to Savannah, or how how does that work? So I still live in Central Florida. Like I, I live thirty miles north of Daytona, okay. and it's where I've lived. I've, I've been in this house since uh, 2011. So, and I don't have plans on moving. What's nice about, especially now, now that I'm full time with the Bananas, a lot of my work is done remote which is great because I don't have to work all day teaching school, which is what I have done for the last two seasons. And then, you know, get on a plane and go travel and come back and just go right back to it. Uh, So a lot of my stuff is done here at home. And then when we're on the road, we're on the road. So that's how I'm able to balance it. And if there is something that I do need to get to Savannah for three hours really isn't a bad trip. I I used to do a whole lot more for a whole lot less. (laughs) And you guys talked to me when I was just doing wrestling and, you know, you do shows hundreds of miles away for a hot dog and a handshake. I'll drive three hours to go perform at the Savannah Bananas. I will make that happen. Right. Now, do you still do your stuff with college basketball? I do. Uh, I, I'm not doing the entire season just because uh, the season overlaps with banana ball this year. But I work with uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. This is my third season with them. And we got a couple of games this coming weekend, so I'll be out there Friday morning and then Saturday night. I think those are my last two for 2023. And then I'm doing a few more in early January before things really ramp up and go for Banana Ball. So you've been to a lot of cities, obviously, the last few years with this Banana Ball. What's your favorite city, and what goes into your suit selection before the game? Well, um, some of my favorite cities, um, I, we did a whole loop in California last year and I'd never been out to California before. And I, I will say I really, really enjoyed some parts of it. It was the most exhausting leg of the tour. I'll start with that. It was a million degrees out every day. And with the suits I wear, it was the closest I've ever come to passing out was in Fresno, California, in a shiny gold tuxedo at 104 degrees Fahrenheit at, you know, 6.30 at night. Uh, but we got a chance to go and check out stuff in San Francisco, which I know San Francisco usually gets a bad rap. I really liked it. We had a good time out there. We drove over the Golden Gate Bridge. We went to a Giants game. We went just outside of the city, got to see some redwood trees. And California was cool. Um, San Francisco area in particular. Got the chance to check out Hollywood. We went all around uh, Boston and hit one day. We did a Phillies game in the afternoon and a Mets game at night on a day on a travel day in between. So we did a doubleheader 
uh, just between some cities in the Northeast. So I've had a lot of good memories and a lot of good experiences in lots of cities this year. Um, so it'd be hard to pick just one favorite. But my suit selection uh, is actually a little more limited with the bananas. It, it's it's a little more consistent. I typically wear my signature gold jacket because that's the one Jesse likes. So that's kind of what narrows that down. Uh, but I have a silver one that is like the same jacket. I've also got it in red and blue and green. And so like on some of our more patriotic games, I'll bust those out or on St. Patrick's Day, I'll wear the green one. But I did pepper in a few other like really classy, really shiny, sparkly ones. Uh, so it really, it has to look like a really, really good suit if I'm going to wear it for a banana game. So that's kind of where my selection criteria goes in. So let's talk about for a second, what is... When when the young professor is at a banana game, you you obviously do the introduction. Are you done at that point, or what what what, what do you do throughout the game? Oh man, uh, no, I'm not done. Uh, we're that's literally the beginning, uh, and even then, it's more like the middle for me because what people don't realize. So, little baseball game, right? Says so first pitch is seven o'clock, seven o five. What time do you guys show up for that game? Seven o'clock. Six, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I would be more along the lines of six o'clock. Yeah. Okay. And let's say you get there six or or seven. Like you probably could just go get your seat, and you know you really didn't miss anything, and you just go. Uh, if you show up at seven o'clock for a seven o'clock banana ball game, you are not getting a seat. You will be standing somewhere, and probably in a place where you don't want to stand, and you will have missed at least an hour's worth of entertainment already, because. Our people literally line up all day. Some people get there in the morning and, and get in line. Like, it, like it's Black Friday in 1998. It's, uh, it's a very interesting phenomenon uh, because all of our seating is first come, first serve, first available seating. So you want good seats, you better get there fast. And we actually have a DJ out there right around like 3 o'clock playing music, interacting with fans. I come out uh, with another host at around 4.30, 4.45, and we do what we call the pre-pre-show. And so we're on stage there for about 45 minutes until we open the gates, and we do all kinds of stuff interacting with fans there. We'll bring out some guests from the team, uh, our broadcasters, that are, so people that watch us on our YouTube broadcast, they get to come out and talk to people, and they get to meet them in person. And uh, we do some other silly shenanigans, and then we open the gates at 5.30, and it is a stampede of people just bum-rushing into the stadium, scurrying everywhere, trying to get seats. And pretty much as soon as they get in, and within about 10 minutes, we start all of our pregame festivities. We have about an hour and 20 minutes worth of pregame activities and things happening in that entire time. And I'm, you know, I'm part of some of them. I host a few of them. The team does other stuff. Other players, other characters are featured. And so we have a lot going on. We have about 50 or so promotions before we throw the first pitch. Oh, wow. And so it uh, – and then once the game starts, you will find me hosting a few of the in-game segments in between the innings. And then when we get towards the end of the game and we get into the final inning where, like, the rules change a little bit, because during the final inning, every run counts for a point, we're always educating people because these are new and different rules. I come out and set that up and, you know, this is the situation. The bananas are down by three, but it ain't over till it's over, ladies and gentlemen. Because in this inning, every run counts for a point. 
So this is the time for the bananas to stage their comeback. Hold off the party animals and walk this thing off, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, just get that last, you know, the energy just picks way back up in that. You can feel that intensity. And, you know, and, and we've had bananas come back and win. We've had them do nothing and not win. And so it's just, uh, you know, there's always stuff to do. And then we all go out after the game and sign autographs and take pictures with the fans for about an hour. So, yeah, I'm not done after the first uh, <laughs> intro. <laughs> so, I mean, I, like, I'm just blown away right now. About, like, because I, I thought I knew some about the banana ball, but I don't know nearly what, what I thought I did. Um, so, they started when, – when did the party animals come to be? When we started uh, – well, the bananas needed somebody to play in this game. And so we had to create another team. We had to create rivals for them. And so actually a lot of people don't realize this. The Party Animals was one of the names in contention for what the Bananas became. Like it was down to a couple different names. One of the names was the Party Animals and the other name was the Savannah Bananas. And that's the name that, that we went with. Uh, so the Party Animals are the second banana ball team. They were first, I think, unveiled during the 2021 One City World Tour in Mobile, Alabama. And then they were obviously the opponents during the 2022 season. And they kind of started picking up steam. And then this year, I mean, they already have more TikTok followers than every Major League Baseball team, including the New York Yankees, and have for some time now. So, like, their brand is emerging. And we just unveiled a new team, a third team this year, called the Firefighters. So there'll be a few times on this tour where the Bananas are going to be playing in one city and the party animals are going to be headlining in another city. And they're all playing banana ball with different casts, different activities, but that same kind of high-octane banana ball experience. Because right now, we are looking to not just build the bananas anymore. We are building this game of banana ball. Nice. So as an entertainer and somebody who's been in the wrestling ring, been at, been at the Daytona 500, like done all this stuff, like, what kind of adrenaline rush do you get? I mean, when the I'm, I'm sure that the, I mean the 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 energy and atmosphere at a bananas game is probably bananas. So, <laughs> what do you like? What kind of what like what kind of rush do you get from that? If I could describe it, if I could bottle it up and sell it, I'd be a billionaire. It, it is the most incredible, unbelievable feeling ever. I mean, and if you if you watch, you know, just that second, especially after I finish that intro, you can see it yeah. on my face. Like it just every fiber of my body, I'm just I'm shot out of a cannon when that's done. Like my, my I'm jittery, uh, my heart's pumping. My, you know, my blood pressure's probably through the roof. Like you name it, like it's it's happening. And there's a few moments throughout the night where that's what's going on. It's uh, it is a rush to just have all those people just locked in and, and hooked to every word you're saying and just explode when you want them to. Um, it, it's, it's an incredible rush. It's well, an incredible I mean, rush. as a wrestling fan, that's got to be the closest thing to a road warrior pop that there is. It, it is. I mean, and, and I tell you, I'm not an athlete myself, but I'm, I'm starting to understand more and more of like why it's hard for these guys to walk away and why, like it's something that they chase so hard because unless you've ever felt that, I don't think you know, like just how intoxicating it really is. Like just what a rush. Like when a guy like Tom Brady 
who's coming out of retirement or Brett Favre years ago and everybody's dogging him, you don't get it. Yeah. You just don't. Like when that's your identity and that, that makes you feel the most alive you've ever felt in anything you've ever done, that's really probably really tough to walk away from. Luckily, I can yell, you know, forever. It's ageless. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about what those guys do in their 40s. But um, I, I'm starting to understand it just based on even the experiences I get to have. So the exposure that the players for the bananas and now the now, now the party animals and soon to be the firefighters, do any of them get the opportunity to make the big leagues uh, from from playing with the Savannah Bananas? You know, in years past, I mean, there have been a number of guys who went from the Bananas and are now playing Major League Baseball. You got to remember, those guys at that time were going through the Collegiate Summer League. So, like, their goal and their mission was always still to go on and, and play Major League Baseball. I mean, that's why those guys are kind of chasing that dream. Where we're at now, I don't know. Time will tell. I mean, a lot of the guys that we have now are guys that were high-level collegiate ball players, or they were uh, drafted into the minors and played there or played some levels of independent ball. And maybe that worked out. Maybe it didn't. Um, and so now they've kind of come over to us. They've got the skills and the talent. You've got to be a good ball player to play with us. But as we are growing in popularity – our talent pool is really increasing as well. I mean, you're getting really high-level baseball players that want to play this game and want this experience. And so I do think that there is potential for that in the future. I mean, right now, though, what we're seeing instead is a lot of former major leaguers want to come and play with us for at least a night and make special appearances. That's where we've had guys like Johnny Gomes and Johnny Damon and Jonathan Papelbon come out and, and play. And Josh Reddick has played a few games with us and Hunter Pence. Like all like World Series champions and Gold Glove winners, uh, Jake Peavy is like one of our best ambassadors, and he's come out and play with us a few times. He plays with his actual Gold Glove, the award, which is a real glove, by the way. It looks like a trophy; it's an actual glove. I've held it, so I know. Um, and so these guys now want to come and play with us, and you hear them, guys who've been to the mountaintop, who have conquered and slayed the dragon. I hear them say to us that this is the most fun I've ever had on a baseball field. That's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you, you can't beat that. That's the best kind of endorsement, right? I, I think so. These are World Series champs that are like this. And you look at them like, you won the World Series. They're like, yep, this. This is more fun. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Hunter Pence actually played uh, for the Legends uh, when he was coming up through the system. Uh, that was when they were the Astros uh, before the Royals took over. But, yeah, that's pretty cool. Cool. He's a good dude. If uh, our our documentary series, our, our second season of Banana Land, it's airing twice a week on our YouTube channel. The California episode just came out, and so he was very heavily featured. He went all in on all of our nonsense, so he was he was having a good old time with us. Who is the who is the retired baseball pitcher that they bring out of the uh, crowd and he he chugs the beer before he goes and ch strikes the dude out? You are talking about the one, the only, the spaceman, Bill Lee. That's who it 70, is. By the time we start the next season, he'll be 77 years young. Yeah. And uh, he played for the uh, the Boston Red Sox. He played for the Montreal Expos. He is a Red Sox Hall of Famer. He started two games in the 1975 World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, yeah, Bill Lee is, is you know, a god amongst men. And he uh, – 
he's always good for a soundbite or he's always good for some <laughs> silliness out there. He is a wild man in all the best ways, and he uh, he comes and plays with us. That's I, that is probably one of my one of my favorite bits that I see is you know it, obviously at the time you they're just we know they're not but it looks like some random guy that's just coming out of the out of the audience and it's like and like and he strikes the dude out yeah yeah well because I mean he's throwing stuff that's very off speed and these guys are used to you know they're used to certain uh, miles per hour coming at them. And then Bill Lee comes in, but Bill Lee is throwing in the sixties and, and he'll hit the seventies sometimes. <laughs> and, and then he changed it up with that big EFIS pitch, the leafest pitch as it's called. Yeah. And he uh, kept these guys looking silly out there. Like, oh, you guys have gone yard off him. And if that happens, he usually plunks the next guy. So, uh, <laughs> he's, he's old school. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Adam, you got a question? Oh, I always got something to say. Okay. So, how long do these guys practice this choreography and these dance moves that you see on TikTok and ends up trending? Is there a technique, a practice time allotted for that? Or is that just, hey, on the fly, you follow me? No, it's not on the fly. Uh, something, a lot of things happen on the fly, but those things are, are rehearsed. So, uh, to give you a sense of like what goes on in a given day for a banana ball game, that whatever dance we do, it's different every single night. So it's not like they have a long time to practice. But we get to the ballpark about typically around noon, and we eat lunch together. And then from there, they go to rehearsals. And so they rehearse all the different things that they plan on doing for content throughout the night. You know, if they, they rehearse the run scoring celebrations. And that's like, hey, if you score a run, the first run, this is what we're going to do tonight. The second run, that's this. And, and if you don't, well, then we shelve it for the next day and we use it, you know, whenever it happens. So, you know, it's not staged. Like, it is, but it's if-then scripting, if that makes sense. Right. We have things, if this happens, then we're going to do this. And so we have those rehearsals go on. Uh, the 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 three two twos we call it, are usually the ones that you see online. That's the third inning, second batter, second pitch. They know that that's when that dance is going to happen. And, like, we practice even, like, where the camera's got to be so that everybody's, like, placing their blocking is in the right so that everyone's in the shot the right way and the way they do it. And so they work on that. Uh, they might work on it on their own a little bit and a little bit on their own after to make sure they get it right. But they go through it. But these guys all keep up on TikTok. They see what's going on. They know what it is. And they, they, after a while, it's like a muscle with anything. You, you do enough dances, you start knowing how to do dances. So they they work all that stuff out. So that, that rehearsal is usually an hour, hour and a half. And then they go into all their baseball stuff. That's when they go into batting practice and, you know, shagging fly balls and, and some other uh, defensive maneuvering. And then – we do all the pre-show stuff. We have like VIPs come in at 4.45. So these guys are working all day from like 1 o'clock until we get done at 11. And then we're loading trucks and, and getting everything out. And, you know, fans are now waiting for us at hotels and stuff. So there's there's not much much downtime for these guys. You know, it's that just shows you where my baseball brain is because you said three, two, two. I'm thinking three balls, two strikes and two outs. And you're like, no, it's the third inning, second batter and second, yeah. you know, but I, you kind of touched on it right there. That's one of the funnest things about TikTok and, and what we see on it is they embrace TikTok trends, right? Like the, 
the one where they act like they're hurt and they get down on their back and then they start twitching their back. I mean, that was that's called twerking. It is called whatever. a twerk. That's, that's a twerk. No, that was <laughs> it's not a twerking when you're on all fours. Anyways. everybody loves twerking these days. <laughs> but it, it's really funny how they embrace these TikTok trends and and incorporate those into the game. And and you know, I, I think that's it's extremely clever how that how that goes about. Well, it's, I mean, the, it's the kind of content people like, but also we're doing it in such a novel setting, you know, to see those things on a TikTok video. Okay. That's good. But to see it live in a stadium with 10,000 people there watching it is, uh, it's another level of just interesting to it. So uh, you know, people really gravitate towards what we're doing and we're, we're all over that. I mean, I feel like we're very much tapped into where people are at from an entertainment standpoint these days. People have a very short entertainment, or a very short attention span, and they want things quick, and they want it fun, and, and then they want to be on the next thing. Our entire game is like that. Like the, the full two hours of the game is wildly entertaining, but every 30 seconds is really entertaining in and of itself, because there's always something going on everywhere you look in that entire place. Well, I know some of the the batters, they'll they'll actually start their intro from up in the stands, like singing and dancing all the way down to to the batter's box. It's not just like your typical walk up from the the warm up uh, deck. So uh, I get that part of it for for sure. One other question I meant to ask a while ago when I was doing the city part: when you're in a city, how many days are you typically performing, or is it just like a one and done type thing? Typically, um, well, this year it's usually two or three games for almost all of them, except for the major league stadiums. Those are one and done. Uh, we're only doing one game in each of the major league cities. So that's, I mean, that's a big experiment this year too. I mean, we're, we're trying to figure that all out because that's, this is new. You know, the, the game itself is new and the scale has gotten bigger and bigger. But these stadiums that are going to have 30,000, 40,000 people we're learning a lot this year as we go. We're still delivering this this great experience, but we're we're learning too, and we're not afraid to do that. But we we didn't want to go in. I don't think all in on two nights in a row, three nights in a row, for something like that. As we're kind of working that out. But now this year, almost everywhere else, it's two or three nights. So we're we're in town for a little bit, but there's really not a whole lot of time for us to do much else. This past tour, we had it because we had more lengthy travel legs we would do a loop and there'd be a travel day so maybe we could break off and go do something but i i don't know that that will be quite as um as common this coming year so that begs the question how do you how do you maintain the hype of this uh, wave of celebrity i guess uh no they- shows are the same i mean and that that's the biggest thing is people people do get bored easily and so we're always thinking, what's next? You know, every, with the way we look at it is, you know, the, the the game that you see will be the worst you ever see us because we're going to be better by the next one. And then we're going to be better by the next one we're, because we're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. We're constantly experimenting. If something works, we'll do it. If something doesn't work, we won't do it. And if something works better, then we're going to replace something with that because we just want to have a completely novel experience for people on any given night. There's certain things that are pretty consistent about our show, but every single night you will see at least 10 to 15 brand new things that we have never done before. And some of them go really well, and some of them go over like a fart in church. They're not that great. So, 
we uh, we're not afraid to do either of those. Well, it's like you said at the very at the beginning of the show. In a Harlem Globetrotters game, you know they're going to to win, right? In this, right. you don't know that, right? You guys are playing a legit baseball game against each other. Some nights the party animals win. Some nights the bananas win. And that alone well, adds a won different. The tour last year, huh? they won the tour. They they beat oh. the bananas for the year. So if that doesn't tell you, I, I don't know what does. There you go. So you you, you had talked earlier. There will be times on this tour where you have the bananas in one city and the party animals in another. Who do they play in situations like that? So, uh, well, the, that's why the firefighters have come in. So the firefighters are going to be one of the opponents that uh, when we hit, I think. June is about when the party animal or the, when the firefighters are going to start be regularly in the rotation. Uh, but in the case of the others, so there's a team that came out and played us in what we call the challenger series game last year from Australia. They're coming back out this year uh, called the Austin drop bears. They're going to come out and they're going to play a couple of games of banana ball with us once again. And there's another team on the schedule that will be one of our teams. And I don't know if it's an official brand, but we're calling them the visitors. And I think it's more of like a developmental brand that we're working <laughs> on. We kind of uh, give, give these guys a chance to play some banana ball. Maybe it's, I don't even know who's going to be on that team. I haven't seen anything there. But they're going to be very well acquainted with the game of banana ball and, and doing some interesting things along with that. And they are the visitors. So I, I don't know what we're doing with the brand of that. But uh, much like, you know, they'll certainly have a spot on the scoreboard in most places. <laughs> you guys are like building your own league of baseball teams. And I can see this continuing to grow where you guys are all over the nation at the same time. I mean, they're going to have to find some more young professors to be able to spread out like that. <laughs> well, that's that's one of my goals this, this year and moving forward. So now as the past director – that's part of my job is to scout for good talent and, and not only just like supplemental characters in, in the bananas games, but we're building out characters and people to do that for the party animals. And if we do get more teams, we're going to need to do, we're going to need to replicate me. We're going to need to replicate, you know, uh, things that are similar to our banana nanas and things that are similar to our dad bod fear squad, the man nanas and have these different characters that people can attach to. Uh, we're we're planning on like we had a rock band out last year when the party animals had their one home game. So we usually have a bananas pet band that come out and they're, they're a pet band and they they march around and do stuff. And Matt, well, we had a rock band come out for the party animals last year. Yeah. A little grungier, a little dirtier, <laughs> you know, a little more seedy for the bad boys of banana ball. And so we uh, we're gonna need to really kind of build a much deeper bench of people that not only can play banana ball but that can entertain and bring this 360-degree entertainment experience out to everybody. And so, yeah, we're going to need a lot more in that regard. So how many people are we talking on a cast for one game? You got oh, both gosh. teams. You got your characters on the side. You got yourself. What? How many people does it take to put on one show? Well, I, I will tell you this. I'm not sure if I, we're counting characters and all that, but I will say that when we travel – we typically travel with about 150 people between players, characters, and just our, our own staff that we have run a lot of the stuff because it's a major, massive operation. Broadcast and even our own merchandise crew and 
uh, our ticketing people because the way we ticket is completely different than how anyone else is doing. So we we have a giant crew that goes out to every single game. And whereas by comparison, a group like the Harlem Globetrotters, I think they travel with like 30 to 40 people. And we're out with about 150 in every city we go to. So I asked you earlier about what your favorite city was, and I gave you a chance to say the right answer. You obviously didn't go that route. (laughs) You went with San Francisco and who knows what other places. How fun was West Virginia last year? Uh, I loved West Virginia, actually. That's the right answer. (laughs) I had a chance to go there the year before uh, because I really liked the Dirty Bird, and I I got a chance. I was supposed to co-host a game last summer, two summers ago now, and uh, the game got rained out. I was already there, but, like, fans knew me and, like, came out to see me and meet me and talk with me. So I really was able to, like, make some good relationships, even briefly with some people. And so for us to get to go there as the Bananas this year, I was really happy. There were some familiar faces, people I got a chance to meet and talk with. And everybody was so nice. And I, I don't know what this says about that part of West Virginia, but it was like one of the only cities where I remember people when they were leaving, like overwhelmingly thanking us for coming there. Like, thank you so much for coming here. That's the West like, Virginia spirit. Not <laughs> like they were overwhelmingly grateful that we would grace them with our presence. And I was like, this was fun. Like, I don't know what, what you're embarrassed about. Like, this was cool. Of course we came here. So as we, as, as we start wrapping up here, for those that obviously have lived under a rock and they don't know anything about about the bananas, how would you suggest them start learning who the Savannah Bananas are? Uh, crawl out from under the rock. Well, that would be the first <laughs> spot, yes. <laughs> and then turn on any device, and then probably you will start to see us. Uh, but if you need further prompting from there, just type in Savannah Bananas, and you will find an endless gamut of content in long form short form mid form uh you know you name it it's out there and, and it, it is going to blow you away whatever you look at it is sure to at least pique your interest and the further you go down that rabbit hole um i think you'll be glad that you did you know i mean 18 months ago or a little bit longer you weren't here i i mean it like it's it's unimaginable where you may be in 18 more months. That's probably true. Uh, just even like, just where, cause well, I mean, I, and I say that kind of cryptically, but we, we just had a meeting the other day, which, you know, very, very confidential information in this meeting, but it was looking at our vision for where we are looking to go by 2026, which, you know, that's not that far away. That's, you know, 24 months away, 25 months away from right now. Uh, or, or sorry, that's three years. Well, no, it's like 25 months from right now. And if even half of what we talked about comes to fruition, th- then yeah, you're right. Like where things look like it, what it looks like in 18 months from now is going to be night and day from, from this similar to what we're looking at by comparison to the previous 18 months. Right. Well, that's exciting. I, I'm, I'm glad that we know you and we have the friendship that we have all over these Roosevelt shirts, right? Cause you all started talking on a Roosevelt platform and that's how you wound up being our first interview. And you, you found the Savannah bananas 
by Roosevelt's as well, right? So it's kind of cool that 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 thing kind of tied us all together. So, um, well, Professor, we appreciate you coming on and 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 spending an hour with us on Monday night. Um, I knew it would be a fun interview and. We love following the bananas, and I look forward to everything that's going to happen with that. I really hope that I get my name drawn out of that lottery next summer because I think it'd be cool to come. I don't know that I'm excited about standing in line for 12 hours, but I'm excited to have the opportunity to come. So, Well, hey, look, man, we will entertain you in I, that time. I know that. I know that. What, you going to say something? No, I wasn't. Oh. So, well, anyways, guys, there you have it. This is... Uh, for another episode of the From Corner to Corner podcast. Again, we've been listening to the young professor here joining us tonight. And um, if you like this, go out, research the bananas. I promise you will not be disappointed. They're all over TikTok and social media. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Stay safe, friends. The MoCo Four Horsemen would like to thank you for listening to From Corner to Corner. Be sure to go out and follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. Whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on, be sure to go out and give us a five-star review. Thanks as always, and we look forward to seeing you next week.